All thanks and praise is due to God. We seek God's help and forgiveness. We seek refuge in God from the evil within ourselves and the consequences of our evil deeds. Whoever God guides will never be led astray, and whoever God allows to go astray will never find guidance. I bear witness that there is no God but God alone without any partners, and I bear witness that Muhammad is God's servant and God's messenger. You who believe, be mindful of God, as is God's due, and make sure you devote yourselves to God, to your dying moment. In the name of God, most gracious, most merciful, I want to thank the Women's Mosque for inviting me. It's very, very uh, humbling experience to be here and think that I might have something of wisdom to share with you, and I will be asking God forgiveness and guidance as I speak today. I also find it very interesting that while I'm giving a khutbah here today uh, at our school, our girls are giving a khutbah as well at um, a girls' prayer. So during the second half of the school year, we do separate Jummah prayers, and our girls get the chance to uh, create their own khutbah, edit that, and speak it to the girls in the school. And so I feel a, a sisterhood with them today as they are doing this, we are doing the same thing. So as I talk to you today, I want to talk a little bit about the environment and the world around us. Have any of you heard of the Great Pacific Garbage Patch? Good, so I hadn't. I recently learned about it in an article that stated it is an enormous swatch of trillions of pieces of plastic and trash floating somewhere between California and Hawaii and is already three times the size of France. Three times the size of France. Or in more local terms, six times the size of California. The estimates are that 79,000 tons of plastic exist in this area of 617,000 square miles and 46% of the patch is made up of discarded fishing nets. The rest is mostly trash from land sources. In just two days, on April 22nd, people in 193 countries around the world will celebrate Earth Day with various events to demonstrate support for environmental protection. For many of us, though, one day or one month or even daily activities we do sometimes cannot feel like we're really making any impact on some of the bigger issues like garbage in the oceans, global warming, pesticides in foods, or endangered extinct animals or species. On my way to New Horizon in Pasadena, going to school every day, I've, I've noticed often um, when I pass through a particular neighborhood of modest homes, there's a man outside on his sidewalk in front of his house, and sometimes in the street outside of his corner house sweeping. He's sweeping the street, which has some debris from trees on the sidewalk. He appears to be able-bodied, probably has a job, but somehow he makes time in his mornings to keep the area around his home and even in the street near his home clean and free of debris. I'm sure many of you heard about the concept of circles, circles of influence that Stephen Covey wrote about in his Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. But he says it this way, quote, proactive people focus their efforts on their circle of influence. They work on the things they can do something about, health, children, problems at work. 
Reactive people focus their efforts in the circle of concern, things over which they have little or no control. The national debt, terrorism, the weather. Gaining an awareness of the areas in which we expend our energies is a giant step in becoming proactive." End quote. Within Islam, we have a similar concept, referred to as stewardship, provided by the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, in a hadith, when it is said that he said, every one of you is a shepherd and is responsible for your flock. In relationship to the earth more specifically, we also have the mandated position of vicegerent or steward as the Quran states uh, in chapter six, verse 165, it is God who has appointed you as vicegerents on the earth. And the prophet, peace be upon him, once said, the world is green and beautiful and God has made you stewards over it. So in today's terms, we might call this environmental responsibility, a consciousness, a consciousness of responsibility that can guide our actions to contribute in small and big ways in our cities, states, countries, and globally. Whether it's recycling, getting our cars properly serviced with smog checks, maybe buying an electric car, reducing the use of our air conditioners, conserving water, voting in elections for officials who demonstrate this consciousness, and getting involved in other initiatives to make a better world. Throughout our lives, especially living in a state like California, we are constantly reminded of the latest research on environmental issues, or we're dealing with current realities like a drought, and we're compelled to make choices whether to wash down our driveways and be part of conservation or waste. And I remind us all as well that God says in the Quran about our tendency of wastefulness and do not waste for God does not love the wasteful. As a young child growing up in LA, attending my local neighborhood school, I have memories at that time of that education, we talked a lot about ecology. We looked at how pollution harmed the environment, how different species became endangered or extinct. I even remember this fantastic poster, it's like vivid in my brain because it was a moment of great wonderful art that I did where I wrote a before scene of beautiful, of a deer drinking water out of a stream, and then an after picture, which showed all the, the results of pollution in, in that deer's environment. And I guess it stuck in my mind, as well as some of you maybe remember smog in LA back in the, I don't know, 70s or something, 70s, 80s, where you could really not see anything in the city, especially if you were on a hillside and looking out. It was really very serious. And we were having the Olympics in LA at that time, um, around that time within that, um, which always worried everybody as to how we were going to be able to have our athletes survive that. But there have there has been improvement because we do smog checks, and uh, we can see that that has made a difference, and those kinds of changes do help our space and our environment. Uh, later in life, I read two amazing books that I, that I highly recommend and that really impacted my thinking. One is called Green Dean, What Islam Teaches About Protecting the Planet by Ibrahim Abdul-Mateen. Um, he's done a beautiful job of bringing together research, verses from Quran, hadith, interviews, to expand on the role of humans as stewards on the earth. Um, he came to our school as an author visit and um, was extremely impressive. I think he's out in, uh, resides in New York. The other is called Collapse, How Societies Choose to Fail or Succeed by Jared Diamond, science author and professor at UCLA. 
This book has an extremely powerful story about Easter Island, a 63 square mile island in the Pacific Ocean. In a nutshell, Easter Island is shown to be, quote, the clearest example of a society that destroyed itself by overexploiting its resources, end quote. Basically, the people lived on this island with about 16 million trees and used these trees for their livelihood and also cut them down to make room for farming, but did not give any thought to what would happen once all the trees were cut down. In just a few generations, the trees were all gone. The author called this ecocide. The civilization went into a severe decline due to the lack of foresight, planning, and responsibility for their environment. These books you know, sort of helped raise my consciousness about the world and about our role in acting as responsible stewards and making this a focus in our school with our students. And as was mentioned in the bio, about five years ago, we embarked on a journey of stewardship and change in our school environment, our small corner, like the, the fellow in Pasadena. We envisioned creating a peace garden in literally a corner of our campus, a rather large corner of about 8,000 square feet. It was an unused space with some grass, some low-level planter boxes, and lots of small rocks. We wanted transformation of this space and transformation of our children's consciousness of stewardship in a very real and tangible way. With the efforts of the Garden Committee, seed money from Nickelodeon, the inspired ideas of students and faculty, the help of local master gardeners, a dedicated landscape architect, the contributions of passionate donors, a grant from the city of Pasadena for removing grass that was in that area, and the sweat and tears of many, we installed our Peace Garden about two years ago. It has many amazing features that help our children learn about their responsibility to the earth and water conservation, and that help our children appreciate the wonders of God's creation with a sense of awe. I refer to it as the awe factor that we need as human beings to experience. And that help our children gain a better understanding of the science of habitat and symbiosis. The features include a salam path in the shape of the Arabic word, a discovery pond, a fruit orchard, a native California plant section, a hugelkultur for water harvesting, a silk road herb garden, vegetable garden boxes, a small farm area, plants mentioned in the Quran, and much more. It is also an inspired space for art and creativity to flourish. So while we fondly refer to this space as an outdoor classroom, it is also a transformative space for any who visit, whether animal, human, bird, or bug. In the barren space that it was, there were really no living things there. Maybe some birds would fly into some nearby trees. Now, we are a certified wildlife habitat by the National Wildlife Federation, and the biggest sign of our habitat is the visit the other day of an egret, a beautiful bird over three feet tall with a wingspan of five feet, its feathers entirely white, and long black legs. Something that you see and you know that something special is going on for that bird to find us. But even more interesting is we are witnessing the arrival of a swarm of bees that have taken up residence in our magnificent fig tree and have in only two days 
built a honeycomb that you can see from just looking up inside and thinking that must be man-made. It is so perfect that you can't imagine that these bees in just two days have created this beautiful honeycomb. Um, it, it's it's uh, overwhelming in looking at the magnitude of God's power. Um, so these, the presence of these bees and the beautiful egret and many other creatures, including butterflies, insects, and other birds, remind us of the words of the prophet, peace be upon him, who said, if a person sows seeds or plants a tree and a bird or animal or person eats from it, it is considered an ongoing charity, a sadaqa jariya, an act of giving that will be rewarded even after we leave the earth. He strongly encouraged the planting of trees and caring for them as sources of food, shade, and beauty. More specifically, he said, whoever plants a tree is rewarded by the amount of produce from that tree. And whoever plants a tree and diligently looks after it until it matures and bears fruit is rewarded. Even planting a tree is believed to be so important that it's identified by the prophet as a last good deed to do before the hour of the day of judgment. And in the Hadith it says, if the hour is about to be established and one of you is holding a palm shoot, let him take advantage of even one second before the hour is established to plant it. One of the most important features, as I mentioned though, is that the garden is a place for contemplation and awe. There's a beautiful quote from George Bernard Shaw that reads, the best place to find God is a garden. You can dig for him there. This really captures what we want for our children and adults, the chance to find God and experience his magnificence and love. In the second part of the khutbah, I will be asking you to consider a twist on environmental responsibility. I say what I have said. May God forgive all of us. Let us make dua. Alhamdulillah. All praise and thanks are due to God alone. So I invite you to visit our garden to experience its beauty and transformative power. But I also believe that wherever and whenever we can, we need to carve out time and space to be in nature, to contemplate and reconnect with our creator. We all know that the prophet, peace be upon him, made time for contemplation before his prophethood in the cave of Mount Hira. And that this experience probably prepared his soul to be open and connected to and transformed by his creator. But staying in the cave was not the mandate. It was to go out into the world and make a difference. And so in the spirit of the coming month of Ramadan, I think that we should consider our environmental responsibility to positively impact those people in our immediate environment and make a difference in the lives of others. You can plant seeds throughout the blessed month, maybe in the ground, but maybe better in the hearts of those around you, whether you know them or you don't know them. Let's find ways to touch each other's lives in caring and wonderful ways, with kind gestures, generous giving, a smile, or a helping hand. And perhaps, like a garden, these seeds will produce love, compassion, and beauty in our world. God commands justice, doing good and generosity towards relatives, and God forbids what is shameful, blameworthy, and oppressive. God teaches you so that you may take heed. Waqim as-salam.